the air and streaming on the web since 1996, this is the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to today's episode of The Flagship Show on the Cinematic Sound Radio Podcast. Before we begin, I'd like to invite you to join our Cinematic Sound Radio Podcast Patreon at patreon.com slash cinematicsoundradio. There you can sign up for one of the tiers. The lowest is just a dollar. We have a thriving community over there right now. We have new patrons signing up each and every week, offering their support. Check us out again. Check us out again at patreon.com slash cinematicsoundradio. And we have coming up an all-request show. So if you want to be a part of the all-request program, you have to join the Patreon. We'd love to have you over there, and we'd love to play your request. All right, on to today's program. This is part two of the Oscars Suck, or Eric's Favorite Scores of 2021. It's been two days since the launch of the first episode. Nothing has changed with the Academy since then, so the Oscars still suck which means my boycott of the Academy Awards continues. If you want to know why I'm boycotting the Oscars, then please check out the first part of this episode and listen to the opening 7 to 10 minutes of the show. Not a bad rant, if I say so myself. So let's get into the meat and potatoes of this show. The more interesting stuff. The stuff you most likely have tuned in for. It's the music. It's all about the music. So the show continues with more of my favorite scores from 2021 with a score or maybe a film that you probably aren't familiar with. The film's called Dos, or Two in English, and was released on Netflix and tells the story of two people, a man and a woman, and they wake up naked in bed with their abdomens attached to each other. They don't know each other. They don't know what's happening, and they have to figure out why this has happened to them. The score was composed by the extremely gifted composer-conductor Diego Navarro. This is what he had to say about the score. Quote, From the film's initial concept, I decided to create the score following the two premise. All the music has been created around the number two. From the cello and marimba, plays a main role in the score, together with the orchestra and the use of electronics, the structure of all the pieces, time signatures used, main intervals of the theme, rhythms, harmonic transitions between each piece, orchestrations, etc. They all follow the number two. Everything's been taken into consideration, including the multiples of two and its mathematic relations. For instance, the whole score is written in 2-4 time, and there are two breaths per beat, it was written in D minor, the second minor key. Those are the words of Diego Navarro, who really went out of the way to try something different with this score. So the instruments used uh, provide the rhythm, the marimba, and the emotion, the cello. The score really does become another character in the film. The score ends with an achingly beautiful piece called Seven.
Music from Dose, or Two, in English, with original score composed by Diego Navarro. If you want to know more about the making of the score, then check out an extensive behind-the-scenes breakdown of the score on YouTube. Just look up Making of Scoring Dos. It's absolutely fascinating. It's a really good-looking video, too. Up next, music from the film June Again, with original score composed by Christopher Gordon. The film was oddly marketed as a light-hearted, feel-good comedy, but it's far from that. The film tells the story of June Wilton, who, during a fleeting bout of lucidity from her dementia, has precious little time to bring together her estranged children and save the family business and rekindle an old flame. The film was released in the middle of 2021 in Australia, New Zealand, and Poland, and has seen limited releases in the U.S. and Germany earlier this year. The score for the film was written by one of my uh, favorite current living composers, Christopher Gordon. He really can do no wrong and has written music for every genre and is even an accomplished concert composer. He's also a politician. In 2017, he was elected councillor on the East Ward of the city of Ryde in North Sydney, Australia. He served a single term in 2017 to 2018. He actually sought re-election in 2021, but was unsuccessful. His score to June again is utterly delightful. Nothing overly complicated, extremely light, but it's just gorgeous music. It's a short score. 20 minutes or so. The score was created primarily for a string orchestra with harp, piano, violin, and vocal accompaniment. The Australian Academy of Cinema and Television Arts Awards named this score Best Score of the Year. The score album is presented in three separate movements, and here's the third movement called Catharsis.
Music from the film June Again, composed and conducted by Christopher Gordon. Moving on to some superhero fare, and there was no shortage of superhero films released in 2021, Spider-Man No Way Home being the big release of them all. We also got Eternals, the Snyder Cut of Justice League, the sequel to Venom, Shang-Chi, and Legend of the Ten Rings, and Suicide Squad. I'm sure there's others. But in any case, the film with the best superhero film score of the year was Black Widow, with original music by Lauren Balfe. The film was directed by Kate Shortland. Scarlett Johansson helped get Shortland hired, as she had previously enjoyed her 2012 film called Lore. The film is set after the events of Captain America's Civil War in 2016, and the film sees Romanoff on the run and forced to confront her past. Lauren Balfe's score is one of his very best. Since about 2018, he's been on a roll, which includes two seasons of his Dark Materials, which might very well be the best scores he's ever written. The lyricism, rich orchestrations, and emotional depth of those scores follow him to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We have two examples of Balfe's brilliance in this score. We'll start with the blistering action cue Natasha Soares, written for the film's climactic freefall sequence and is uh, reprised during the end credits. It's a driving work with chugging rhythms, heroic playings of the Black Widow theme, brass bursts all over the place, along with my favorite color, those swirling woodwinds over top of it all. Those layerings of textures is unreal in this cue. After that, we'll hear one of the best cues or themes written for the MCU, Natasha's Lullaby, a gorgeous cue with Black Widow's theme performed by solo female vocal, along with the Russian balalaika that moves wonderfully into a huge presentation of the theme with full male chorus. So here now is Natasha Soares and Natasha's Lullaby from Black Widow by Lauren Balfe.
Music from Black Widow, the original score composed by Lauren Balfe. On the air and streaming on the web since 1996, this is the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. We now move on to Ghostbusters Afterlife, with the original score composed by Rob Simonson. The film was a direct sequel to Ghostbusters 2 with Jason Reitman directing this time with McKenna Grace in the lead role as Phoebe, Egon Spengler's granddaughter. In the film, Phoebe's mother moves her family to a farm in Oklahoma that they inherit from the recently deceased Egon Spengler. Soon the kids in the small town begin to discover their connection to the original Ghostbusters. The film was a massive nostalgic hit. Total fan service. Nothing really new in the film. However, the acting was superb, and it just hit all the feels. Just felt right for some reason. 
Rob Simonson studied Elmer Bernstein's score for the first Ghostbusters film, Reitman requested that the score keep the sound and spirit of Bernstein's original score from the first film. To complement that sound, Simonson decided that he would tap into the sound of 80s adventure films like E.T., Back to the Future, Cocoon, Flight of the Navigator, and various Jerry Goldsmith scores from that era. Elmer Bernstein's son Peter was recruited to guide the orchestration of Simonson's score and the use of material from Ghostbusters. One of the most memorable sequences was the ghost chase through town in the Ecto-1. We really didn't get to see the Ecto-1 in an action sequence in the first two Ghostbusters films, so to see the kids ghostbusting through town in a thrilling action sequence was a sight to behold. And Simonson's score followed the action to a T.
Music from Ghostbusters Afterlife with original score composed by Rob Simonson. We now move on to the horror film, The Reckoning, with original score composed by Christopher Drake. This is a adventure horror film directed by Neil Marshall. It's set in 1665 England. The film follows the character Grace, a young widow haunted by the recent suicide of her husband Joseph, and is falsely accused of being a witch by her landlord after she rejects his advances. Uh, those that know me and have listened to the show know I love horror scores. It still remains one of the few genres that utilize music the best in context. Horror scores are a part of the scares. They manipulate emotions like no other genre. Composers can get away with pretty much anything they want with a traditional horror film. Huge orchestra, lyrical themes, avant-garde techniques, odd sounds. It's a composer's dream. You want to be heard in the final mix. And directors, producers allow it. Christopher Drake's score for this film is superb. It's deeply disturbing, and it's just a decimation on your senses. It's loud, but at times deeply emotional and heart-wrenching. It's a score that didn't really get talked about much during the year, and that's really sad because it is so good. It's like something Christopher Young would be proud of. The score's final cue brings together some added beauty, a sense of relief from the brutal assault on the senses for the last hour and 35 minutes. This lavish piece is mostly dedicated to the thematic material behind Grace's character with arpeggiated strings, epic horns, solo vocalists, a huge choir. Oh, oh yeah, there's also a church organ. It's goosebumps-inducing stuff, folks. Just listen to this and enjoy.
Music from the horror film The Reckoning, with original score composed by Christopher Drake. By the way, I'm going to recommend uh, another Christopher Drake score just before we move on. Uh, check out his score for Wonder Woman, the animated Wonder Woman. It still remains one of the greatest superhero film scores ever composed. Sticking with horror, we have to address the work Marco Beltrami and his team did on the extremely popular Netflix trilogy of films, Fear Street. That's right, a trilogy of films that were all released in the same year. Marco Beltrami scores all three films alongside his ridiculously talented team of Marcus Trump, Brennan Roberts, Annan Drubeck, and Buck Sanders. All the scores are excellent. But the best, in my opinion, was the second score of the series, written for Fear Street, year 1978. Now, Fear Street's a series of horror books aimed mainly at younger readers. The film tried to revive the 90s slasher genre, which began with Scream. And while the first film score seemed to retread the sound Beltrami developed for Scream back in 1997, Fear Street 1978 takes that sound and adapts the sound of the bold scores from the 70s and early 80s in horror. Think Goldsmith's The Omen or Harry Manfredini's Friday the 13th. It's just a fantastic combination of musical styles. The action music is dynamic, which, I mean, doesn't surprise me. Beltrami is extremely good at it. Big choral music and brutal horror action makes up much of the two cues that we're going to play for you called Give Her a Hand and The Final Axe.
Music from Fear Street, 1978. Music composed by Marco Beltrami and Brendan Roberts. Moving away from horror to animation and the computer animated film Spirit Untamed, a spin-off from the film Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron, released in 2002, and the TV series Spirit Riding Free. This film follows a young girl named Fortuna Lucky Prescott, who moves to the small rural community of Miradero, where she meets a wild Mustang she names Spirit and immediately begins to bond with him. When composer Amy Doherty was announced to be writing the music for this film, she became the first woman to compose music for a DreamWorks film. Um, I bet you didn't know that. I mean, other women composers are usually put up on a pedestal and there are numerous articles written about them and they're celebrated for the achievement. And it is quite an achievement, but you didn't really hear much about this announcement from anyone. I mean, it's a monumental achievement and, and nothing was said. It's really strange. I mean, there were articles out there, but it wasn't celebrated as much as, let's say, Pinar Torprak's debut with the MCU a few years ago. I digress. Amy Doherty is an Irish native and has worked on various TV shows and films and orchestrated and conducted music for Lady Gaga and 50 Cent. Uh, Doherty talked about her score with Chris Heckman for Cinesamples magazine back in June of 2021 about her approach to scoring the film. Quote, I just like the idea of that big symphonic Old West sound, but modernizing it somehow. One idea I had was to use some male vocals for Spirits' theme. I'm a big fan of Fleet Foxes. I just love their sound. So I was thinking something in that realm. When I talked to Elaine Bogan, the director, she mentioned before I even got to it that she attempted some of the movie with Fleet Foxes and she loved their kind of modern indie folk sound. End quote. It's a wonderful, wonderful score. Uh, but by far the highlights are the action cues. As I mentioned while talking about horror music, the other genre that has no issues with music being upfront and center and emotional is animation. Think about all those great scores written for Pixar, Disney, and DreamWorks. They're full of life and are just plain old fun. Doherty score is no exception. And these action sequences allow Doherty to show off her symphonic prowess. And she's a natural at it.
The music from Spirit Untamed, with original score composed by Amy Doherty. We have to take a quick break, but when we return, we'll feature more of my favorite scores from 2021. APM Music offers limitless potential for your creative content. No matter the genre or mood, all the music you need is on one platform. And you don't have to worry about licensing. APM's got that covered. Need help finding the perfect track? APM's dedicated music directors can deliver curated options designed specifically for your creative vision. APM's website uses best-in-class search technology, so finding the perfect track is easier than ever. Find your sound at apmmusic.com. You're listening to The Flagship Show on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network with your host, Eric Woods. Welcome back to the program. Panu Altio is one of my favorite new composers in the past, what, 10 to 15 years. Could be a little longer than that, but he's written some extraordinary music for films like The Home of the Butterflies, Dawn of the Dragon Slayer, The Island of Secrets, Roly and the Secret of All Time, and 95. He's also written some absolutely stunning music for documentaries, including Tale of a Forest, Tale of a Lake, and now the third film in that series of documentaries dedicated to northern lands in Europe called Tale of the Sleeping Giants. This score is much more ethereal, spiritual, and mythical than the other two scores in this series, but no less impressive. Altio utilized the vocal group Tulatar and the Tapiola Sinfonetta in an attempt to keep the sound of the Tale series familiar but different. If I was to do a more traditional top 10 countdown of the past year's best scores, this one would most certainly be on that list. Tale of a Forest was one of my favorite scores of 2012, and Tale of a Lake was one of my favorite scores of the past decade, coming in at number 8 overall. Tale of a Sleeping Giant concludes this trilogy just as brilliant as the other two scores in the series. This is, hands down, one of the greatest scored documentary series of all time.
Music from Tale of the Sleeping Giant. Music composed by Panu Altio. Up next, another Altio score, this time from Finders of the Lost Yacht. Yes, it's a play on Raiders of the Lost Ark, so how can you go wrong? The film tells the story of two kids who hope to retrieve some stolen loot, including a yacht, in hopes of earning a reward that can help out one of the two kids and their family financial situation. This is based on a classic best-selling children's book series. Altio explains that in Finland, this book series is extremely popular. The characters of Pertza and Kilu uh, have been known to Finnish readers since the 50s. Then there was a TV series in the 70s and now a film series, and there are two sequels being planned. Altio crafted a traditional action-adventure score centered around the boys' friendship. It sounds exactly the way you think it does. Bold, grand, adventurous, fun, tuneful, and lively. It's a nostalgic bomb, and I love it.
Music from Finders of the Lost Yacht, original score composed by the exceptional Panu Altio. The last two scores we have on the program have been in my number one spot, kind of trading in and out since November. I love them both, but my number one has really been my favorite from the moment I heard it. So Coppelia will have to take second spot. Now, what is Coppelia? Well, here's how the official website for the film describes it. Coppelia combines enchanting animation and live-action dance in a modern retelling of the love story between Swan and Franz, jeopardized by cosmetic surgeon Dr. Coppelius and his uncanny, beautiful protege, Coppelia. It's a very unique film. It's really like nothing I've ever seen before, and it's probably like nothing you'll ever see when you get a chance to take a look at it. What really makes this score special is that it essentially does all the heavy emotional lifting because there's no dialogue in the film whatsoever. It's essentially a silent film. I mean, it would be a silent film, but there are some sound effects sprinkled throughout. But composer Maurizio Malagnini had to carry the film, and he did it in spades. While a good portion of the score is written for a massive symphony orchestra featuring all of the colors of the orchestra playing huge themes and big crescendos, gorgeous harmonies. There's some surprising use of electronics in the score, which represent the more science fiction elements in the film. It brings a very unique color and texture to the score. There's even some EDM music during Coppelia's dance track. Now, there's so much more I can say about the score, because it's quite an achievement. It's a ballet, a musical of sort, science fiction fantasy that covers a wide range of emotions and styles. The sheer amount of work that went into this project is unbelievable, really. There aren't many that have heard this score, or have seen the film. It premiered on PBS in 2021. However, it made such an impression on the IFMCA, which I'm a proud member of, that it won the Best Original Score for a Fantasy, Science Fiction, Horror Film, and Best Score of the Year overall, over such scores as The Last Duel, Jungle Cruise, The Green Knight, and Dune. It's that good. And only an organization like the IFMCA would do the due diligence of paying attention to this score and offering it its highest honor. While the highlights of the score are numerous, the track Grand Finale is a triumphant crowd-pleaser. Rapturous is the best way I can describe this music.
Music from Coppelia, with original score composed by Maurizio Malignini. You're listening to The Flagship Show on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network with your host, Eric Woods. Welcome back to the program. Now, remember that score that had been occupying my number one spot ever since I heard it? Yeah, this is it. It's called Buckley's Chance and is written by the one and only and one of my favorite composers working today, Christopher Gordon. The film tells the story of a 12-year-old named Ridley, and it takes place a year after the loss of his father, and his mother, Gloria, moves the family from New York City to Western Australia to live with Ridley's estranged grandfather. Ridley ends up lost, deep in the outback, without a soul in sight. He comes across a wild dog, entangled in an old barbed wire. Ridley saves the dingo, they become friends, and try to find a way home. Again, here we are given a score that is perfectly old-fashioned. If you love expansive adventure scores, and you enjoy composers such as Horner, Goldsmith, Holdridge, McNeely, Broughton, Debney. And if they turn you on and you really like good film music, then this is the score for you. There's no denying that this is a score that wears its heart on its sleeve. It will not apologize for being melodic, sentimental, bold, romantic, 
adventurous, organic, orchestral. But Gordon does, and does extremely well. He's been doing this his entire career. Think of On the Beach, Moby Dick, Ward 13, Mayo's Last Dancer. And then you got to seek out treasures, like his music for the Commonwealth Games and the Rugby World Cup. His stuff is brilliant. And keep in mind that he's a self-taught composer. I'm delighted the Australian people still respect Gordon's music. And if that's where he wants to stay and write his film scores, it's okay by me, at the very least. Whenever he writes a score down there, we'll continue to be treated to his beautiful music. While certain symphonic scores are still being composed in Hollywood these days, it's not going away, it hasn't gone away. I mean, we still have Williams, Chikinos working for huge tentpole movies, just to name a few, but countries like Spain, China, Japan, Finland, and Australia can always be counted on to maintain the grand tradition of the orchestral score. They keep that alive, and they're going to be doing it for many, many years to come. The track Riddles from Buckley's Chance is a beautiful 11-minute suite that combines all of the primary motifs and themes from the score. Features sweeping tunes, joyful moments, and brilliant moments of action and adventure. It's just a great score. I love it. It's my favorite of 2021. I hope you enjoy it. It's fantastic. Well, that's it for the look at my favorite scores of 2021. I hope you enjoyed the show. Hope you enjoyed the format. I like this format. I get to play more music, and I still let you know what my favorite score of the year is. In any case, thank you very much for tuning in. I really, really do appreciate it. And until next time, wherever you are in this world, take care and happy listening.
Thank you for listening to the Cinematic Sound Radio Podcast. I want to thank Tim Burton for providing his voice for all the bumpers you hear throughout the program, and to David Casina for providing Cinematic Sound Radio's theme music. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please email us at cinematicsound at yahoo.com. You can find us on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And wherever you're listening to us today, please take a moment right now to leave us a rating and a review of the podcast. You can get a Cinematic Sound Radio t-shirt at our Tee Public store. You can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash cinematic sound radio. And don't forget to check us out on the web at cinematicsound.net. <laughs>